So glad that you can be with us and worship at Central Church of the Nazarene today. This is the last sermon in a series that we've called Red, Yellow, Black, and White. And really, it's a series designed to show how big and vast the kingdom of God is. And today, this last sermon, we're going to look at two guys that are mentioned in Acts 13. Their names are, are Simeon called Niger, Simeon called the black guy, the black man. That's what Niger means. And the other is Lucius from Cyrene, like, like Simon in Luke 22, Cyrene, northern Libya. So also the northern African. He's, so both of these guys, uh, Simeon and Lucius, were leaders in the church at Antioch. And to understand them, we really need to look at this church to kind of open the doors to the church at Antioch and see what kind of church, see what kind of leaders these guys really were. So today we're going to look at the church of Antioch. It's kind of, uh, this is your ecclesiological uh, sermon. We're talking about ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is the study of churches. That's your word for the day. So we're going to examine the Antioch church where these two guys, Simeon and Lucius, were part of the leadership team. And so my, my question is, what's the main business of the church? Now, I know we don't like to talk about church being business. Okay, so what's the main purpose of the church? What's the main, main duty of the church? And some would say, well, it's, to, it's the care for its members. The church is here to visit the sick and pray with them and to be at the important transition times of life, births and weddings and and burials, you know, that's, that's, where, that's what the church is here to do. And the pastors, you know, they preach on Sunday, but, you know, after that, what do they really do? But we do do other things, and we do, you know, care for people. We pray, we visit, we lead, we serve, we teach, we marry, we bury, we warn, we listen, we learn, we laugh, we cry, we sing. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. We bless, we confess, we counsel, we baptize, theologize, evangelize, empathize, apologize, sympathize. We text, we call, we email, we send up smoke signals if that would work. We rebuke, we encourage, we invite, inspire, inform, include. We communicate, celebrate, dedicate, congratulate, moderate. We misspeak, mishear, misread, sometimes just miss it. We're human, we try, we fail, we try again. And of course, yeah, once in a while we preach. That's what we do. And, and, and the church, you say, all right, well, we've got pastors and we've got teachers and small group leaders and board members are voting today. If you're a member, vote today. We've got all of that. And it's, you know, to, to care for the people that are part of the church. And of course, that's all true. No doubt those are important functions of the church. But I would argue that that's not the main business of the church. If we start acting as if we, you and me, are the main business of the church, the main job of the church, the main duty of the church, then we miss our main calling. We don't exist to be a religious club. We are, we are not here to preserve our traditions as important as our traditions are. We, we are not a museum to showcase our holiness. We are not in a a holy huddle of the frozen chosen. That is not who we are. We're, we're a hospital. No better stated, we're a mass unit. We're a medic unit on the front lines of, of, of a war. You want to know the purpose of the church? The main business here it is. This is the church. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. We are here to do what Jesus did. We are, we are here to, to proclaim what Jesus proclaimed. 
Why did Jesus come to this earth? Well, he told us why. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's what Jesus said. That's it. That's our purpose. That's our main business. Seek and to save the lost. And we get in big trouble if we ever think that the main business is me and mine and those who are like me and mine. We've blown it if we think it's all about us. My brothers and sisters, we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ, you and me. We are the church, and we are here for the world. Not just you and me, we're here for them. Do you remember, do you remember when, Jesus, when Jesus was talking to Peter? And here's your commercial. Starting next Sunday is our Lenten series, and we're going to look at the life of Peter as it intersects with Jesus. Of course, the Gospels are written uh, about Jesus and to proclaim Jesus, but there are other people in the Gospel stories, and Peter is, is really the, the main one next to Jesus. John, the Apostle John, is mentioned 20 times. Judas Iscariot mentioned 20 times. Peter's brother Andrew's mentioned 12 times. Matthew, Thomas, 10 times each. But Peter is mentioned 120 times, over 120 times. That's a lot. So we're going to spend the, the, our Lenten season uh, looking at Peter's life as it intersects Jesus in the, in the story of Jesus. All right, that's your commercial. Do you remember when, when Jesus talked to Peter about his church? And do you, remember, do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Now, we usually read those words and we think that means, well, hell can throw whatever it wants at the church. Hell can throw all the terrible, horrible, vile things. It can throw whatever it's got, but it won't work because we've got Jesus and, 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 and hell won't overcome us. That's, that's sometimes the way we, we think about that passage. Here, here's what a healthy church looks like. It's a, it's a great, great model, the church at Antioch. The church where, where Simeon and Lucius were leaders. It's a model church. It's the, it's the church that we should... There, there weren't the, the problems in, like Corinth had. There wasn't the theological debates like in Galatians. It's a healthy church. And look at what they were doing. I, I think they can model for us. Healthy churches. In healthy churches, people are finding Jesus. Remember, that's our number one purpose, right? The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Healthy churches, people are finding Jesus. They're find, we're, we're, we're seeking those who, who are lost. We're, we're seeking those who need Jesus. We're finding those who, who, who need the love of Jesus. We're sharing the love of Jesus. That's what we do. We're storming the gates of hell. We're rescuing the perishing. We're caring for the dying. That's our number one job. Lost and troubled and lonely people. That's our number one job. That's what we're about. That's what's happening in Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, the Bible reads this way. Some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. They're evangelizing. When, when the church at Jerusalem heard about what was happening, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessings, and he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. So before Barnabas arrived, a large number of Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And after Barney got there, many people were brought to the Lord. So people are finding Jesus in Antioch left and right. It's happening all over. In healthy churches, people are finding Jesus. Good news, last two weeks right here, this sanctuary, 19 people have raised their hands, said that they indicated they needed to accept Jesus into their heart and life. That's awesome. 
This last, this last, you know, it's all right you didn't clap there or hoop and holler, although heaven did have 19 parades, but that's okay, just sit there. Um, we, no, quit, it's too late. This past year, we took in 60 new members, which is 60-something new members. I can't, this is the last Sunday of the fiscal year, so, so we'll be tallying up all the numbers for sure. But it's over 60 new members to this church this year, the most since 2007. And so for that, we say praise the Lord as well. But, but before we start clapping too much, which <laughs> you already got the hang of not doing, um, I think before we pat ourselves on the back... I think we need to remember we're living in Genesee County. I know not everybody here lives in Genesee County. Some of you live in Livingston County. Some of you live in Lapeer County, Shiawassee County, some other county. But we're in Genesee County. In Genesee County, you know, this is the year of the census, but the last census showed that there were 424,938 people living in Genesee County. 424,938. How many of those people do you think are Christians? I don't know. They don't ask that question. How many are Christians? Let's just take a number. Let's say half. Is that a fair number? Maybe half. Half of the people. Maybe that's high. Maybe that's low. I don't know. Let's just say, for argument's sake, there's half of the people that live in Genesee County would, I, would say they're Christians. So that means there's 212,469 people that aren't. You want to know our mission field? 212,469. That number, that number should send us to our knees. These are our neighbors. These are people that we, you know, honk at on the highway. These are, these are the people that we, that we shop with. 212,469. 212,469 that don't know Jesus. 200,469 that, that we need to be seeking and finding and sharing and loving and caring. 212,469. Pastor, if 212,469 people came to know the Lord, this sanctuary is big, but it can't hold 212,469. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But our job, Central Church, reaching the lost, priority number one, 212,469. We got a ways to go. In a healthy church, not only are people finding Jesus, in a healthy church, discipleship is taking place. It's important that people find the Lord, but it's also important that we train them up in the ways of Jesus. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all the things that I've committed. Teaching them discipleship is really, really important. Look what happened in Antioch. Verse 25, then Barnabas went on to, Saul, to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch, and both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. What a great testimony. What a fantastic job Paul and Barnabas were doing in Antioch. Presumably, the people who were calling these followers of Jesus were not followers of Jesus, and they noticed how the followers of Jesus were acting just like Jesus, and so they said, they're little Jesuses, they're little Christ, they're Christians. Man, I want people to say that about us. I want, I want them to say, not, I want the, the, the folks just speak, even for, part of those 212,000, they know a little bit about Jesus. They maybe went to Sunday school. They know that Jesus was kind. They know that Jesus was loving and forgiving. Jesus has, has, you know, any survey, Jesus is always at the top because people understand. They may not believe him to be son of God. They may not believe him to be the savior of the world, but they believe him to be be a person that was loving and kind. 
And the greatest compliment you'll ever have is someone saying, wow, you're a lot like Jesus. You're compassionate, you're loving, you're, you're a lot like Jesus. That's what was going on in Antioch. Why? Because they were being discipled by Saul and Barnabas. So a healthy church is people finding Jesus, and a healthy church has discipleship going on, and a healthy church has deep, deep generosity. Look at the next few verses in Acts 11. During this time, prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up at one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could, and this they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders in the church at Jerusalem. So these Gentiles, uh, Christians in Antioch, these brand new baby Christians, right? Haven't been a Christian but for a year. Brand new baby Christians, they took up a collection and gave it to Saul and Barnabas when they went back to Jerusalem. They probably would never, ever, ever see those people. They're not going to see those people, but they gave, they gave, they gave. Healthy churches are giving churches, period. Healthy people are giving people. We serve a generous God. James said, said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Our God is generous. He wants his people to be generous. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap for the measure you use. It'll be measured to you. You determine God's God's generosity towards you. That's what Jesus just said. For the measure you use will be measured to you. You want to be stingy? God's not going to stop you from being stingy. You can be stingy, but you won't receive God's blessing. The measure you use. We want to be generous. This is the last Sunday, I told you, of our fiscal year. So I'll give you ballpark figures, because again, we'll be tallying up the figures this week. We've given about, every year, the last several years, we've given over $300,000 to missions. But more than that, we've also given, we give over $50,000 to retired ministers, so that uh, widows and retired elders in the Church of the Nazarene have a retirement plan. We give uh, 50 plus thousand plus scholarships and all the rest to our, the school that we sponsor, Christian education, we feel is important. So we give really close to 75000 to Olivet Nazarene University. We give over $100,000 to our district so that small churches on the district can be helped because we're the largest church in Michigan. All that money goes away from here. Why? Because God blesses generous churches. You know one of the best things we do? I'll tell you one of the best things we do. This isn't in my notes, but this is, one of, I think, one of the best things we do. We know we're in our centennial year. We're celebrating it all year long. We're celebrating all the victories. One of the great tragedies, if you were here, was in 2004 when our pastor, Gavin Rath, went, was on a mission trip and, and died of a heart attack in South Africa. It really, if you're newer, that deeply affected this church. And if you remember, it, if you were here, you deeply remember that, that, that time. Ever since then, so for the last... What is it, 16 years, our church has covered the health insurance of, of Gavin's widow, um, Clara. We just paid it. And when she turned 65, you know, uh, she went on, on Medicare, but we've been paying her supplement. And, she, and every year I get a thank you from her. And every year I, I share that thank you with the board. And every year I tell the board, if we can't take care of our widow, she lives in Oklahoma. We, we don't, you know, hopefully she'll be here for the 100th anniversary. I think she's coming. But that's what, you know, we got to take care of. She's, she's our widow. And, and it doesn't matter that it costs us, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month or whatever it is. She's our widow. 
So as much as all that other grand stuff, I'm glad we're taking care of our widow. Giving churches, God blesses giving churches. So people finding, healthy churches, people finding Jesus, people are discipling, uh, churches are giving. Number four, a healthy church looks a lot like heaven. Remember, when at the beginning, every week, read John's vision, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, it's, it's multicultural in heaven. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Finally, 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 we get to our heroes of the day. Acts 13, verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas. We know about Barnabas, son of encouragement, wonderful disciple, full of the Holy Spirit. We've already been told that. Simeon, called the black man. Lucius from Cyrene, northern Africa. Manian, childhood companion of King Herod Antipas and Saul. We know a little bit about that guy. That's pretty good company, don't you think? You've heard of the uh, uh, Jackson Five, the Fab Five. This is the Antioch Five. What a leadership team. You think you could grow a church if you had that leadership team? Two of the five are people of color. One was an aristocrat, Manian, who grew up with, with Herod Antipas. And then there's, there's Saul, who had been a Pharisee, now became Paul, and Barnabas, the, the son of encouragement. You think you could grow a church with those people? It's not only multicultural, it's, it's, it's much bigger than that. It crossed economic barriers, it crossed diverse religious backgrounds. This leadership team was the best of the best, fully integrated, fully together, a lot like heaven. That's a healthy church. See, healthy churches, people finding Jesus, discipleship taking place, filled with cheerful givers and looking a lot like heaven. And then a healthy church is... Healthy churches participate in holy practices, prayer, fasting, worship. It goes on verse two. One day, the men, these five, these Antioch five, were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, Lord, did we get it right? We thought you said to, to have Barnabas and Saul leave here, but they're really important here. Did we get it right, Lord? Are you sure you want them to leave here? Is that what you want? Is that what you're telling us? So after more fasting and praying, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So this group, this Antioch five, two of them in two verses, we're told they were worshiping and fasting, and then we're told they were fasting and praying. Worshiping, fasting, prayer. What characterizes a healthy church? Worshiping, fasting, prayer. Leaders, worshiping, fasting, prayer. Non-leaders, worshiping, fasting, prayer. Perfect lesson as we're about to enter into the season of Lent. Some people say, oh, that's a Catholic holiday. You know, you're having Ash Wednesday. It's Catholic. (sighs) That's a Christian thing. Worshiping, fasting, prayer. Isn't that what Lent is? Worshiping, fasting, prayer. It's saying, worship, every time we gather, it needs to be a time of worship. It's not gathering to say high five about our team or, or what about the weather. No, we are here to worship. We are here to focus on Jesus. We are here to because we are his servants and we were created to worship. Not only do we worship, we fast. This season of Lent, it means, it means giving up something that you normally, normally have, normally daily have. If you can't give up food, then give up something that you normally do so that when you start to miss it, when you crave it, you'll think of Jesus Christ who died for your sins, who enabled you to be here. It's a reminder. That's all it is. It's a reminder that you're, you're not God. He's God. And that, that you can't be selfish, but you want to be Christ-like in all things. That's what fasting does for us. Worshiping, fasting, prayer, and being praying. We need to be a praying church. Healthy churches are praying churches. We're not praying, we're nowhere. And then finally, healthy churches 
are fueled, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in verse three, or verse two rather of that 13th chapter. One day, these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, blah, 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 blah. Then verse four, so Paul or Barnabas and Saul were sent out, not by Lucius, not by Simeon, not by Manian, the other three guys. No, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was speaking. The Holy Spirit was leading. The Holy Spirit was driving. The Holy Spirit was enabling. The Holy Spirit was empowering this church to do great things. Don't you want that for our church? Oh, I really do. I want to be a church where people are finding Jesus all the time. All the time. Not occasionally, all the time. You know, we're showing these 100 centennial videos and, and when in 100 years when they're doing the central church bicentennial, I want them to look back at the 2020s just like we look back at the 2030s today, I want them to look back at the 2020s and, say, and have them say in the video, in the bicentennial video, just what Luke was saying about the Antioch church. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. I want that, I want that to be our, our distinguishing mark from the 2020s. People are finding Jesus. That's our business. That's job number one. That's our purpose. But I want, also want to be a church where discipleship is happening where people are hungry for the Lord and hungry for the word. Remember last week in the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight, what was he doing? He was reading from Isaiah. Good things happen. That's what, when God intersected Philip with that Ethiopian eunuch on that desert road, should never have met up, but God, God orchestrated that divine moment. Good things happen when we're in his word. God is speaking, God is moving, we are growing. It is awesome, we need to be in his word. I wanna be a church that's generous, not greedy. Not thinking that we exist only to please ourselves. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are here for the world. But you know, I love this church. I, I love our big, beautiful building. You know, this is, this is a gorgeous facility. Probably one, one of the best facilities in the Church of the Nazarene is what we have. I love it. I hate that we still owe $4 million. <laughs> we owe $4 million, a little less than $4 million on this building. And we, pay, we overpay our mortgage every month. We overpay. We're on course to have this paid off in eight years. We pay our mortgage payments every year, our $600,000. Imagine what we could do with a half a million dollars in the city of Flint. You think you could do some good with a half a million dollars in the city of Flint? I think we could. That's why we've got to get rid of this debt. And, and, and hopefully it'll be less than eight years. We gotta get rid of this debt. Why? Because we wanna start doing m way more good in the city. We can do a lot of good with a half a million dollars. We wanna be so generous that people driving down the road would just simply say, not just that there's that big church on Bristol Road, but they'd say there's that generous church on Bristol Road. There's that church that cares for people. There's that church that loves people. There's that church that reaches out to people. That's who we gotta be, generous church. If you know somebody with $4 million in their pocket, have them call me. <laughs> I want to be a church that looks a lot like heaven. I just do. I want to be a church that just, just like heaven, where, where there's red, yellow, black, and white. That's what this series is saying. I want to be a part of a church that says Jesus crushes racism. Jesus crushes prejudice. Jesus brings all people together, one people. Jesus overcomes the systemic evils of the day that keeps poor people poor. Jesus, Jesus is bigger than all of that. Jesus is, Jesus is, is I just want us to look like heaven. 
can't we just look like heaven? And I want to be a church that is involved in spiritual practices, like this season of Lent that we're coming to, where we, where we worship together and we fast and we pray. You know, probably most of you pray more than you think you do. You've probably heard sermons on prayer and you think, oh, I'm not praying enough. You're probably praying more than you think. But you're also probably not praying as much as you should. And I keep a list. I don't know if you keep a list, but I keep a list. It's on my desk. I've got several post If you were to go and look at my desk right now, I've got post-it notes all over it. And one of those post-it notes has a number. I write really small, and I write a bunch of people, and I change that list out every, every week or two of people that I'm praying for. And it may surprise you some of the names on that list because it's just my list. And, and on my list are people that... Um, my family, I pray for my boys, and Carla, of course. They're at the top of the list. You all are on it. And I pray for those people who down through the years have um, hurt me or spoke ill of me. And I try to be so faithful to pray. I'd encourage you to have a list. We need to be a praying people. And more than anything else, that last point, we need to be a church that is filled, empowered, enabled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be a church where when, when folks are driving by, not only will they say, that's a generous church, that's a giving church, that's a loving church, they'll say, there's something about that church. Well, I, I walked in there, and, and when I walked in, I just before the service even started, I just felt that God was present there. That needs to be us. Let's just close in a time of prayer. Father, we are celebrating these hundred years, and I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of the men and women who have gone before, who have been spirit-filled and spirit-led and have opened themselves up and have brought us to this point. But, Lord, that's not enough. This needs to be the church for the next hundred years. And, Father, I pray that you'll do that work in each of us. Father, thank you for the people who are at these altars, Lord, and the commitments that each of them have made. But, Father, we come to you again, and we realize that we need to submit ourselves to you. We need to lay our all on the altar. Father, help us to, to give to you our time and our talents and our money, Father. But that's not enough, Father. We need you. We need your spirit to come and fill us, and we need your spirit to come and do the work that needs to be done, Lord. And not so that this can be a great community and a great church, but, Lord, because there's people out in our community who are hurt and lost, Father, keep our eyes on the things that are important. Help us to focus on those things that you care about. Help us to love like you love. Fill us, make us who you want us to be, Father. Use us, and as we pour ourselves out, Father, will you fill us? We cannot do this on our own. We need you. I pray that you will come and do that work and help us to be the willing vessels that you need us to be. We thank you for, for who you are and for all you do. I pray that you will... Fill us and be with us. In your name, amen.